Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 23. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We are going to be finishing chapter 24 in just a couple of weeks. And I don't know, there's just a sense of accomplishment when you finish verse by verse teaching. And just every line, listen to me, every line, every dot, every period, every question mark, every exclamation mark, you've read it and you've talked about it and we've preached about it here at church. And it's just something very fulfilling, at least for me, that... um, you know, that, that we're finishing the, the, the Word of God. It's just wonderful. We've been actually teaching through the Gospel of Luke for two years. It might be two plus years. And, uh, but we're in no rush. Somebody say amen. We're in no rush. Jesus didn't come yesterday, so we still got time. Oops, my bad. We just taking our time going through the word of God just by show of hands. Who was here last week? Just by show of hands. Who was here last week? Okay, then, you know, if you were here last week, you know that we left Jesus hanging on the cross between two thieves. And one looks across and he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. And that phrase today you could be with me and you will be with me in paradise. It could read today you will accompany me. And we'll walk arm in arm into paradise. Isn't that beautiful? Today you will accompany me and we'll walk arm in arm into paradise. Notice into paradise, not purgatory. Into paradise, not limbo. Into paradise. Well, if you were with us, you know the righteous went up and the wicked went down. If you missed that teaching, you should pick up the CD in the bookstore If there are any copies left, well, as we complete chapter 23, you got a pen. I've titled this sermon, The Torn Veil. The Torn Veil. Luke chapter 23, saints, we pick up in verse 44. If you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. Now, it was about the sixth hour. And there was darkness all, all over the earth until the ninth hour. And then the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in how many pieces, saints? Two. Underline that. We'll come back and talk about it. And when Jesus had cried out, he cried out. I'll tell you, and you might want to write this in your margin. He cried out to telestai. To telestai is the Greek word for it is finished. It is done. When Jesus cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last breath. And when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. 
And the whole crowd who came together to that site, seeing what had been done, beat their chest and returned. But all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. So give me your attention. The sixth hour, that'd be 12 noon. Until the ninth hour, that will be 3 p.m. There was darkness. There are some people who say that the darkness was over Palestine. Listen, the Bible says, are you reading your Bibles? The Bible says there was darkness over what? All the earth. Are y'all looking at that? It was darkness over what? All the earth until the ninth hour. You know, I think of the three days of darkness in Egypt before the Passover lamb was slain. I think of the darkness at the end of the great tribulation when the sun refuses to shine and the wrath of God is coming down on the earth. The darkness came over the entire earth. Why? Because God's judgment was being poured out. I mean, think about this. Even creation itself agonizes over the death of the creator. And you remember, we talked about it, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said, Father, if there is any way, let this cup pass from me. He was talking about the cup of suffering. Well, it's in these three hours that he is drinking that cup of suffering. In verse 46, he cried with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He breathed his last breath and he died. And keep in mind, this is the seventh and final statement that Jesus made while hanging on the cross. Were you with us on Good Friday evening at our Good Friday evening worship service? Were you here? Okay, what, just three of y'all was here? Listen, okay, y'all wake up, listen to me. Were you here for the Good Friday service, worship service? Were you here? Okay, that, that's better. Some of y'all still ain't getting me. And we talked about in that service the seven statements that Jesus made on the cross. The first statement was, Father, forgive them. Remember, he looked up as they were, we talked about it last week, as they were nailing him to the cross. As they were nailing him to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. And then he looked over at the thief and he said, today you will be with me in paradise. And then he looked down. Not only did he look up and look over, but then he looked down and he sees John standing by his mother, Mary. And he said, woman, behold your son and son, behold your mother. I told you before, families are formed at the cross. Can I tell you something? Families are formed at the cross of Jesus Christ. I can tell you right now, I feel closer to many of you in this room than I do to my own family because you're believers and I'm a believer and families are formed at the cross. You know, families have very little to do with biology. Very little. Very little. But when you're a Christian, isn't it amazing how you can bond and get tight very quickly with, with, with somebody who's a fellow believer because, because of the cross of Jesus. And Jesus hanging on the cross. His third statement was, woman, behold your son, and son, behold your mother. And then he looked up and he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then the fifth statement that he made, he said, I thirst. And then he cried out with a loud voice, it is finished. To tell us die. It means paid in full. It means it's done. 
It means price paid. It means purchase made. It means mission accomplished. The Bible says with a loud voice, he cried out, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. So after six hours on the cross, he breathed his last breath. Now get this. The shortest crucifixion on record is 32 hours. The longest crucifixion on record is 13 days. Can you imagine that? 13 days hanging on the cross. So then the question is, how could Jesus be dead in six hours? Final answer, because he had finished his work and there was no need to stick around. He completed the work to tell us that I paid in full. Now, when Jesus died, the veil was, of the temple was torn from top to bottom. And let me tell you a little bit about that veil. Are you listening? The veil is located in the tabernacle. The tabernacle, for you Bible students, you know this, the tabernacle is located or or is divided into two parts. You have the holy place, somebody help me, and the most holy place. Or it's also called, anybody know? The holy of holies, very good. And in the holy place, you would see the table of showbread, the golden lampstand, and the altar of incense. So you walk in, get this in your mind's eye, listen, you walk into the temple, and and, and you see the golden lampstand, and the table of showbread, and then you see this big curtain, this curtain, this veil, this curtain. In Hebrew, it means a screen, a divider, a separator that hides. What was the curtain hiding? It was hiding and shielding a holy God from sinful man. The veil was a divider to separate the holy place from the holy of holies. Behind the veil, you will see the Ark of the Covenant. So you walk in. Are y'all with me? I'm trying to draw a picture for you. You walk in. You got the veil. And then you go behind the veil. And behind the veil, which many believe is 18 to 24 inches thick. Nobody really knows. But you go behind the veil and then you see the Ark of the Covenant. And somebody help me. On top of the Ark of the Covenant is what? The mercy seat. Very good. And, on t- and there are the cherubim. I heard cherubim somewhere here. And there are the cherubim. The cherubim are, they have wings and they're facing each other and they're touching each other over the, over the center of the Ark. Now, now, I know and I realize that as soon as you say the Ark of the Covenant, I don't know about you, but the first thing you think of is Indiana Jones. Don't act like you didn't see it. Some of y'all are like, oh, no, 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 I'm a Christian. I don't watch no movies, no television. Well, let me just say something here. I saw the movie. Let me free you up. Pastor Rodney saw the movie, and I loved it. It was a great movie. I love the part when the, when the, when the, uh, when the bad people, you, you guys remember this. I know y'all in church act like, but I know you, you know what I'm talking about. When the bad people got to the ark, remember that? And they opened up the ark and the beam of light comes shooting out of the ark and the light went through their heads and it burned out their eyeballs and incinerated them. I love that part. <laughs> I absolutely just love that part. But, but, but get that out of your head now that I put it there. Get that out of your head. The Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant was a box. And on top of that box was the mercy seat. And the mercy seat had two angels on it. We talk about it. We talked about it. The cherubim, they were called, or as a friend of mine calls it, the cherubim. And uh, he's in here right now, so I said that for his gratification. 
<laughs> he actually, I'm not going to tell you who it was. He actually got a tattoo. And he called me up. He goes, I got a tat. I got a tattoo. I went, really, really? What you get? He goes, Chair Beam. I said, Chair what? I thought I, I thought I got bad reception. I'm like, what? What? What, 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 what? I didn't hear you. What? A chair beam. I got the chair beam. I said, what is that? He goes, a chair beam. I'm like, the angel things. I went, you mean cherubim? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cherubim, cherubim. Okay. It's cherubim, not cherubim. Okay. He got the cherubim. And, and, and the wings, as I mentioned, they're reaching over the center of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, listen, the total length of the tabernacle where the veil was is 45 feet long. The holy place, are you taking notes? The holy place was 30 feet long by 15 feet wide by, by 15 feet high. The most holy place, which is behind that veil, is 15 feet long, 15 feet wide, and 15 feet high. It's a perfect cube. Now, it's interesting because Revelation chapter 21, you look it up in your own time, it tells us that the New Jerusalem is 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles, and the New Jerusalem is 1,500 miles high. That's from Raleigh to Denver to New York to Houston and back to Raleigh. And it's interesting because the Bible tells us the new Jerusalem has 12 levels, 12 gates and beautiful stones. The streets are made of gold. Can you imagine? The streets are made of gold. One time I was flipping through the TV and I came across with this show called MTV Cribs. Hey, y'all acting holy again, acting like y'all, <laughs> acting like y'all didn't see it. Y'all like, oh, I don't know it. I never saw it before. We don't even have a television. That one-eyed demon. <laughs> so we were, I'm looking at it, and I said, stop, and they're showing it. And the celebrities, y'all know what the show is. I know y'all acting holy. But the celebrities are walking around and showing you their house and they got this and they got that. And it's like, oh, wow, oh, wow. Some bathroom as big as this room. And then, oh, wow. And I'm looking at that thinking, you know what? Your house looks like the hood. Your house looks like the ghetto. Compared to the new Jerusalem, we're walking on streets of gold. Christian, that's your home. We are walking on streets of gold. We're going to a place where the walls listen. We're going to a place where the walls are diamonds and jewels. You talk about bling, bling, and that's bling, bling. And I said this before. Listen, what makes heaven heaven, listen to me, what makes heaven heaven isn't the beauty of heaven. What makes heaven heaven is the fact that Jesus is there. And I don't care if heaven, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. And I don't care, and I don't care if heaven were in a super Walmart. If Jesus is there, it's heaven. Now I want you to clap your hands. Would you do that? It's heaven. Now, once a year, listen, on the day of atonement or the day of Yom Kippur, the high priest would go behind the veil into the Holy of Holies, carrying the blood sacrifice. The high priest, listen, he had to be clean. 
He had to be free from sin. There were some ritual cleansings that he had to do before he took that blood sacrifice behind that veil. If he didn't do that and he was uh, not free from sin and not clean, he would die in the presence of the Lord. God would kill him just like that. So what the people would do in those days, and listen, this is a freebie for you. What the people would do in those days, they would tie a rope around his ankle. And that rope would go all the way out of the tabernacle, through the courtyard, and out beyond the fence to where the people were located. Because the high priest, when he did his duties, he wore a long robe and priestly outfit. And at the bottom of the robe, there were pomegranates and there were bells. And as he moved about, you know, doing his work, you know, the, the roll would kind of swish back and forth and the bells would be heard and the people knew that he was offering sacrifices. But if those bells stopped ringing, they knew that he stopped moving. They knew that he was dead. And so they would use that rope to pull him out because remember, they couldn't go behind the veil either or they would be dead. So he would, they would use that rope to pull him out. Now, one other thing. Last week, were you with me? We were talking about how Jesus was carrying this 200-pound beam up the Via Dolorosa to Golgotha. And they would often, the Romans would often tie a rope around the criminal's ankle. And, 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 and they would walk behind the criminal and just for fun, just for giggles, they would pull the rope from under his feet and he would just fall and face hit the ground under the beam. Don't you find it interesting that our great high priest, Jesus Christ, had a rope tied around his ankle as well as the high priest um, um, in the tabernacle, in, in the temple, had a rope around his ankle. He would take that blood into the presence of God. Did you get this? The blood, listen, you're going to love it. The blood is the ticket. The blood is the ticket. And he would take that blood behind that veil. I'm trying to draw a picture for you. He take that blood behind that veil and he takes some hyssop. Hyssop is like a branch. And he would dip the hyssop into, into the bowl of blood and then he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat, on those winged angels. He would sprinkle that blood and he would do that only once a year. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, it's almost like this huge sword. Saints, please listen. It's almost like this huge sword just dropped out of the sky and, and tore the veil in two pieces. Note this from top to bottom, not from bottom to top like you would normally tear a piece of fabric. You would normally tear a piece of fabric by tearing it. You pull at it and it would tear up. Yes, but, but this tore from top to bottom. Why? Because I believe that God was already sending a message to man that grace comes from me. Grace begins in heaven. God is reaching down. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. God is reaching down to man. It is God who tears the veil and it comes down, reaching down toward man. And when that veil was torn, it was God telling man, you have access you see, the message of the veil was stay out. When the high priest walked in and saw that veil, the message of the veil was stay out. Caution Will Robinson. Don't come near. Back away from the veil. 
The veil spoke of isolation, separation, and segregation. But the torn veil, get this, somebody get happy about it. The torn veil says, come near, open house, come in, work completed. You have all access to God. And Hebrews tells us... And Hebrews tells us, let us boldly come unto the throne of grace where we might receive grace and mercy in a time of need. You can pray anytime. You can pray anytime now. You don't need to come to the pastor. You don't need to come to the church. You don't need to come to the Pastor and pastor, I need you to pray for me. Pastor, look, there ain't nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But you have access. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You can come to Jesus anytime. Anytime. And I'll tell you something. When you're out there on that 440, you need, to, you need access. Where are my people at? You need access. People be cutting you off and stuff like that. You need to be holy. You need it. You need it. We all need to be able to come to God, and we can. And that's why I love it. You know what? I was, I was out on the walkway at the second today. And this brother, they were standing there praying for each other. And I just walked by them, and I thought, Access. Isn't that just great? Right on the walkway, hundreds of people walking by. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And they're praying. Access. You can come to God at any time. No more sacrifices. This is what the veil torn says no more sacrifices no more religious rituals no more blood of the lamb year after year if you believe in jesus then come in any time you want i want you to clap your hands right there will you do that praise the lord and imagine this imagine this the priest is doing his duty in the temple all of a sudden he hears a Loud noise of tearing and ripping, and he turns around to see what's going on, and the veil. Do you know how shocking this is? He turns around to see what's going on, and the veil is laying on the ground. And there it is, larger than life, the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat. And I'm sure the priest thought, I am dead. He probably thought, I'm dead. That's it. I'm a goner. I said, and by the time he kept saying that a few times, then he realized, wait a minute, I'm alive. I'm still alive. It was shocking to him. Now, it's very interesting. Listen, stay with me, please. 32 AD, the veil of the temple was torn. And the temple continued to function until AD 70 when Titus Vespasian leveled the city of Jerusalem. Now, we know from history that some guy, get this, Josephus tells us, that some guy goes into the temple area and he tried to sew up the veil. Isn't that just like man? God tears down the veil and gives access and freedom and liberty and man seeks to mend up the veil. 
God rips the veil, man sews it back up. God simplifies things, man complicates it. God gets rid of ritual and religion, and man wants it back. And it's unfortunate, listen, it is unfortunate that there are people in the church who find it to be their ministry to get out their thread, their sewing needle, and their thimble, You haven't heard that in a while, have you? And they're thimble, and they try to sew up the veil. What you talking about, Willis? Listen, there are people who try to add to the finished work of God. I call them veil menders. You need to write that down. (laughs) Veil menders. They try to add to the finished work of God, adding to the grace of God. It's Jesus and tithing. It's Jesus and baptism. It's Jesus and Mary. It's Jesus and the priest. It's Jesus and suit and tie. It's Jesus and listen to our tapes and read our books. It's Jesus and long blonde hair. It's Jesus and a big afro. I don't know why I said that. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.